0: As the only authorized manufacturers of leftist tears tumblers in the world, I think it is important that we finally stand up here at The Daily Wire and do our environmental duty to help save the planet with an important public service announcement. When you're drinking salty and delicious leftist tears from our tumbler, please be sure always to use a plastic straw. Maybe use two of them. For one, it will prevent the salty tears from staining your teeth, and that's very important. But two, it will help to save the planet And shrink the non-existent garbage island in the Pacific Ocean while polar bears don't starve in the Arctic, fracking doesn't poison water wells, and electric cars kill people. We will analyze everything you know that just ain't so about mankind's impact on our natural environment. Then the Griffin family stops by to discuss giving birth to a baby in a Chick-fil-A restaurant in Texas on This Is America. That is the most America. I'm going to have to cancel this segment afterward. Finally, the celebrities gunning to take down President Trump in 2018 and beyond. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. You know, when I was doing that setup, I probably should have had a straw in the <laughs> Leftist ear tumbler. Now my teeth are going to be all stained, and I won't be saving the environment. We have a lot to get to today. This is a lot of really, lot of good stuff to cover before I get on my plane. Before that, though, I have got to thank a new phenomenal sponsor, Purple Mattress. Now, you might have seen, I was on uh, Fox and Friends this morning at the earliest possible time in uh, on Earth, uh, so I didn't get to sleep a whole lot. When I do get to sleep, though, Purple Mattress is the way to go, baby. Purple Mattress is so, so good. If you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a Purple Mattress. It is uh, it will certainly make you feel different than anything you've ever experienced because it uses this brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. I, look, I'm a man of simple tastes. I'm easily satisfied by the best. And I need my uh, uh, tumblers to be designed by the geniuses at Daily Wire. And I need my mattresses made by rocket scientists. They are It's unbelievable. It's unique because it's both firm and soft at the same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus it's breathable, so it keeps it cool. It ends up giving you this 0 zero-gravity-like feel so it works for any sleeping uh, position. You get a 100-night risk-free trial if you're not satisfied. You get a full refund, 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free in-home setup, and old mattress removal. What do you want? You want them to make you a sandwich too? This is a great deal, folks. You're going to love Purple. And right now, my listeners get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. Go there right now, purple.com, promo code COFEFE. C-O-V-F-E-F-E. Do it. I'll wait. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Purple.com, promo code cofefe C-O-V-F-E-F-E. The only way to get this free pillow is to use Cofefe at checkout. Purple.com, promo code Cofefe Okay, so this is terrific. You know that for the last two weeks now, the, the straws have dominated the headlines. Starbucks is getting rid of its plastic straws. Now they're going to infantilize us and use those little sippy cup things. Nobody can use straws. I think by the latest statistic from the seven-year-old who did a survey is that seven zillion straws are used every day, killing the environment, killing the polar bears, all this stuff, right? You know all that? Not true. It turns out that banning plastic straws is bad for the environment. Uh, right now, uh, Starbucks is still going to be instituting this. I love these kinds of stories. I love the stories where the really earnest environmentalist, the preening types get proven totally wrong because they might have good intentions, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Why is this? Why is banning plastic straws uh, bad for the environment? Well, uh, there are different types of plastic. Number one, number two, number three. And in particular, we should focus on number two and number five. Number five is polypropylene, and number two is high-density polyethylene. Uh, Straws are made, plastic straws, the kind you get at the coffee shop, are made from number two and number five plastic. Uh, Number two is pretty easy to recycle. Number five is very hard to recycle. Only 3% of number five plastic is recycled. So 97% of number five plastic, we send it to China to recycle it. China doesn't recycle it. It ends up in the ocean somewhere. So the straws that they're using could be number two, could be number five. Those lids, those sippy cup lids are much thicker and they're number five. So they're replacing the straws with these thicker lids and the thicker lids are virtually impossible to recycle. (laughs) So it actually will create a greater negative uh, environmental impact. This whole straw thing, I don't think we've covered this enough, and it's not totally common knowledge. You might be wondering <laughs> why you woke up one day and all of a sudden plastic straws were public enemy number one. You might say it's because we live in an utterly decadent culture with no actual problems, so we just have to invent them for ourselves. That's also true. The other reason is that there's this nine-year-old boy named Milo Cress, nine years old in 2011, seven years ago. And he decided that there were too many straws like a nine-year-old does. Right? Nine-year-olds make these kind of stupid observations and extrapolate uh, from there. So uh, this number, 500 million straws consumed daily. America uses 500 million straws daily. This has been reported in the New York Times. It's been reported in USA Today. It's been reported in National Geographic. It's been reported by the National Park Service. The trouble with it is it's plucked out of thin air. There was a nine-year-old who thought there were too many straws, Milo Cress, and so he called up a couple companies, he called up a few restaurants, and just decided that the number was 500 million. People gave him totally different numbers and, uh, you know, for daily use or for uh, yearly use or whatever, and he just kind of guessed, uh, and he actually admits this, too, by the way. He says, quote, Why I use this statistic is because it illustrates that we use too many straws. <laughs> I think if it were another number, it still illustrates the fact that there is room for reduction. That's really my message. This is Milo Cress is a 16-year-old. And this, is, this gives away the whole story. You know, the left does this all the time. They make up some nonsense, and then we conservatives find out that what they've just said is nonsense. And they say, well, it's not true, but it gets to a greater truth. No, it's a lie, and it's a lie. It's not. It's not that it's not true, but it's a greater truth. It's a lie, and then it's a lie. So, and and Milo Crest, this kid says, oh, I don't care if it's true. It doesn't matter if it's true. The point is, do what I say, right? The point is, do what we environmentalists say and stop using the straws. Say, so, well, you need to present to me some kind. No, I don't need to do anything. Do what I say. We have too many. We're going to get rid of them. Uh, so, uh, a, a part of this, the plastic straw thing, is that you know, there's this garbage patch in the Pacific Ocean. You you might have read these headlines. They're on a lot of clickbaity sites. There's a huge floating island of plastic bottles and, uh, you know, refuse that we don't recycle and it's floating and it's taking over the whole ocean. If you looked at these pictures, you would believe that like half of the ocean of the earth is just covered in plastic bottles, right? Uh, turns out that's just completely not true. So the uh, the island does not exist. It's nowhere. We know this because they went to the heart of it, where the highest concentration of these plastics are in the ocean. They found 1,000 significant objects. Objects, you know, like the size of this tumbler or something. Objects you can actually see with your eyes. They found 1,000 of those over thousands of square miles. So you could have one of these for, you know, uh, 10 square miles, something like that. Eight square miles. Totally ridiculous. Now, you might be saying, well, Michael, you can be saying that. I I believe you. It's not that I don't believe you, but I've seen the pictures with my own eyes. Those pictures are just fake. Those pictures are are taken off the coast of Manila uh, in the Philippines. It's taken off the coast of other uh, South Asian and East Asian cities that are just dirty that are just filled with trash. So (laughs) it's true. I could take a picture from the dumpster downstairs. I believe by my 200th episode, that's where I'm going to be living. I could go take a picture of that and say, you know, isn't this dirty? And then try to pretend like it's the Pacific ocean, but it's not, it's just totally made up. It does get to a really important point with the left though, which is that they, they because they control the narrative because they control the culture, they, they put the image in your head. The image doesn't have to be true. The statistic doesn't have to be true. Another example of this is they say, before Roe v. Wade, 5,000 women a year died from back alley abortions. Now, the guy who started saying that, he, he admitted he just made it up. He just plucked it out of thin air. The actual number was like 20 or 30 or something the year before Roe v. Wade. 20 or 30, period. Not 20 or 30,000. 20 or 30 people. But you get these images in your head, these numbers, these pictures. Uh, a really great example of this, uh, this one spread like wildfire last year is that climate change is killing that polar bear. Do you remember that polar bear? I'll, pl- I'll show you the clip. This this aired on National Geographic. It's been seen all over the world. I'll, I'll narrate it for those of you who aren't watching. Here is that poor polar bear starving because of climate change. He looks so sad. He can barely walk. He says, this is what a starving polar bear looks like. He's on his knees now. He can't find food. Where's the... Well, it's all because of you. It's because you didn't recycle your plastic straws. This bear was spotted by National Geographic photographer Paul Nicklin on Somerset Island in the Canadian Arctic. I'm waiting for the Sarah McLachlan music to start playing. In the arms of the angel. He's, no, he's rummaging through a trash can. Because of you, because you had to drive your Hummer. Because you needed that SUV. The bear went missing after this footage was shot, making it impossible to know specifically what ailed it. That's nice to sneak that in now. However, scientists warn that as temperatures rise and sea ice melts, polar bears lose access to the main staple of their diet, seals. What about those poor seals? At least the seals get to live. Starving, running out of energy, they're forced to wander into human settlements looking for food. Feeding polar bears is illegal. Without finding another source of food, this bear likely only had a few hours to live. This was this video. It's over a minute long. It spread like wildfire. Uh, the, the title of it is, This is What Starvation Looks Like. It, it is estimated by the photographers in National Geographic that two and a half billion people saw this video and the images in this video. Two and a half billion with a B. Now, the, this was blasted out, headlines, National Geographic. This is what climate change looks like. They're saying climate change is starving this polar bear, right? Finally, these photographers, and National Geographic itself, by the way, are admitting that this was a lie. Mittermeier, one of the photographers, says, But there was a problem. We had lost control of the narrative. The first line of the National Geographic video said, This is what climate change looks like, with climate change highlighted in the brand's distinctive yellow. In retrospect, National Geographic went too far. And what did Nat Geo say? They said, National Geographic went too far in drawing a definitive connection between climate change and a particular starving polar bear in the opening caption of our video about the animal. Yeah, duh, animals can starve in the wild. That does happen. The plural of anecdote is not data. And and by the way, if this were caused by climate change, if we could say definitively, this is what climate change looks like, we would expect the polar bear population to be plummeting. Isn't that right? But according to the 2016 Scientific Working Group, uh, right now on Earth, there are between 22 thousand six hundred and thirty two thousand two hundred polar bears. That's up from twenty two thousand to thirty one thousand in 2015, uh, a year before that number was taken. And that's way up from an estimated twenty to twenty five thousand in 2005. Way up. The, uh, despite what the climate hysteria websites might tell you, all of the evidence points in the direction of the polar bear population being way, way up. And in fact, estimates from the 1960s said that at that time there were between eight and 10,000 polar bears. So obviously that population has doubled, if not tripled, in, in the intervening 50, 60 years. Now, what the climate change people will tell you is, well, we don't know. We just don't know. We don't know how many polar bears there are. Stop saying the polar bears are increasing. And you say, well, you've just given away the whole story because you don't know, right? At the, at, we can say at most that we don't know how many polar bears there are. But the, the climate change people, the, the environmentalists, the environmental hysterics, they always uh, act as though they have such certainty, right? They say, this is what climate change looks like. This straw will destroy the planet. This will do, if you do this, it's going to lead to, but so frequently it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. It's just Images designed to pull on your heartstrings, to manipulate you, to stop using your reason, to start supporting left-wing policies that either will have no impact on the environment or will hurt the environment. The, uh, the great example of this, I love this one, it's, it's almost enough to make me get a Tesla, and that's the electric car. The electric car, that, that's good for the environment, right? We can at least agree the electric car is good for the environment, right? No, it's terrible for the environment. <laughs> Keep driving your Hummer, baby. My car, I drive a, a V6 sedan. It gets like 18 miles to the gallon at best. Usually it gets like 15, even better. I'll try to, I'll try to rev it more so it only gets like 13 or 14. According to a study from the University of Minnesota, uh, electric cars are terrible for the environment. This was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. Uh, it produces more carbon Emissions than conventional cars, and that's because of the batteries. The batteries are really awful for the environment. Uh, The co author of that study, Julian Marshall, who's an engineering professor, says it's kind of hard to beat gasoline if you want to protect the environment and people. Electric cars uh, produce 3.6 times as much soot and smog death as uh, gasoline cars. Uh, It produces 86% more deaths from pollution. Uh, And the reason for this, I don't know if you're confused about this, the reason why that is true is because electricity doesn't come from magic. You might think that it comes from magic. You know, you go, you got your little electric car and you get to drive in the fast lane in Los Angeles and then you plug it in at night and then unicorns jump up and down joyfully and power your car. That's not what happens. Instead of unicorns on the other end, it's coal. <laughs> it's coal. It's it, it's not exclusively coal, but it's largely coal. 39% of America's electricity is produced by coal. Filthy, dirty, <laughs> polluting coal. Uh, how about ethanol? You might say, well, what about eth-? ethanol? Is good. Isn't that good? No, not at all. Ethanol uh, produces 80% more air pollution mortality than gasoline vehicles. Also, it causes the price of corn to double or triple, which starves people in the third world. Good job, environmentalists. Really nice. You're killing people with your pollution and starving them in the third world. Really nice. Uh, The the only good one, and this is the pièce de la résistance, the only way to make the electric cars work and not be terrible for the environment is there is a way. There's a way to make electric cars half as polluting as gasoline vehicles. Much, much better for the environment. Do you know how to do that? Natural gas. Frack, baby frack. Oh, yes. Now, the environmentalists, the, the one like really good solution to all of this, other than uh, nuclear, which they also won't let us do, the other really good solution is natural gas, and they won't let us do it because they spew out ridiculous propaganda like Gasland and tell us that uh, natural gas is poisoning our water supplies. Here's just a little clip from that ridiculous movie. Yeah, I saw it go up for a second. Yeah.
1: There. We'll just give it a second
2: here. Whoa. <laughs> That's the best I've done. <laughs>
0: oh, wow, look at that. Isn't that crazy? For those of you who couldn't see, he held his lighter underneath the faucet and after a little while there was a puff of uh, fire, you know, from from the gas that came in. So the implication here is that the fracking is poisoning our water supply. That's the allegation. The only trouble with that is that the Colorado Department of Natural Resources investigated this case and said there are no indications of any oil and gas related impacts to the well water. What is true here, as is true in a lot of places where natural gas is prevalent, is that the natural gas in the water supply comes from natural sources. There there was a Duke study published on this, also published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, showed that there's higher methane in water wells near gas wells. That part's true. Nobody's denying that. The the issue here, though, is it's caused by faulty steel casing and cement sealing on the wells. It's not caused by fracking. Uh, It's also, by the way, that water supply is not contaminated by fracking fluids. One reason for that is that fracking fluids are 99.5% water and sand. It's actually just fine. How about for the air? Is fracking terrible for the air? No, it's not terrible for the air. Wrong. Uh, Wrong again. Natural gas industry is responsible for 2% of the Pennsylvania smog-causing volatile organic compounds, 5% of nitrogen oxides, and 1% of small particulates emitted by all industry in that state. We could go on and on with examples. Uh, the, the aspect here that conservatives should really take away is not you know not just the owning the libs and the dancing and the spiking the football all of which is great, you should totally do that too and it's not just that whenever an environmentalist says something you should do the opposite though that is also true uh, what it what it is is the uh, limits of certainty, the limits of certainty in science the limits and certainty of knowledge we don't really know a lot of things and it takes a, a great deal of uh, education to find out What you don't know, (laughs) I'm I'm reminded of Donald Rumsfeld, who said there are known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns. That's actually he he got pilloried for that. He was made fun of, but that's actually a pretty sophisticated degree of thinking. Uh, We like certainty. We like to pretend that the expert in the white lab coat is going to give us all of the answers to the world. They don't know anything. They're much closer to shamans than they are to gods. They don't they don't know for certain. The one thing I know about science is that it's almost always not true because they keep upending. preconceptions. And when you act as though you have utter certainty about the physical world, about the material world, you're going to get yourself into trouble. And uh, so the conservatives have a kind of contrarian streak in them by nature, I think, when these people are telling you with certainty that in 200 years the world is going to explode because you're using a sippy straw, you know, you're using a plastic straw instead of that sippy cup. Just uh, just tell them the other side of it. Show them the other side of it. It's really uh, very enjoyable because you know environmentalism, it's so clear, but all shallows are clear. all shallow thinking is very clear. I've got to get to this is America. We're running a little late as we always are. I got to interview the Griffin family. They are the, it, it, it's unbelievable. I'll, I'll let them speak for themselves, but uh, the, the mother, Mrs. Griffin, uh, was uh, you know nine months pregnant and uh, a, little, a little early, and she went into a chick-fil-A bathroom to, to use the bathroom. And she ended up giving birth to a child. It, this is the most American story I've ever heard. I think I'm basically going to have to shut my show down after this because I can never get anything more patriotic than the Griffin story. Without further ado, here they are. We have the Griffins. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being here. It, I'm really honored because I know you haven't done a ton of interviews, but I saw this story, and uh, just f- for people who haven't heard all of the background, you. Uh, gave Mrs. Griffin, you gave birth and Mr. Griffin, you helped deliver your new daughter in the bathroom of a Chick-fil-A in Texas. You then swaddled the baby in your shirt, which was a Trump 2020 shirt. I have to ask you, is this the most American thing that has ever happened in history?
3: (laughs) We were actually going to have a bald eagle cut the cord. (laughs) Uh, that would have solidified it. Uh, but, uh, that would have really, if fireworks
0: <laughs> went off in the uh, the cash registers in Chick Fil A. Well, actually, you you bring up the the umbilical cord, and this is a really incredible part of the story that hasn't gotten a ton of attention, which is that there were a lot of potential complications here to this birth, uh, Mrs. Griffin. I believe you have epilepsy, or you suffer from epilepsy, and and, and the the baby was said to possibly have a heart condition. This this was one of the worries. And the, the umbilical cord was wrapped around your daughter's neck. Is that right? That's right. Yeah,
3: that's absolutely correct. In fact, in, in the delivery room, all of this was pre-planned for the birthing plan because of the high risk of the baby and the mom. We were supposed to have between eight to 10 doctors in the delivery room, from neonatal specialists to cardiologists to I mean, you name it. There was just supposed to be a room full of doctors, not a bathroom stall with just us. And then (laughs) there was uh,
0: So I I do want to ask, before I ask how you were able to do this, because I think if this this set of challenges were presented to me, there would be a Michael-shaped hole in the wall. I would just run screaming for dear life. Uh, How did this happen? How did you end up in the Chick-fil-A?
3: Okay, so we live 45 miles from the hospital. We live out in Hill Country, Texas. So, you know, we drive by a lot of cattle ranches. We don't drive by a lot of hospitals. In fact, there's not a hospital between us. Um, And the hospital that we had to go to was because of the high risk of both the wife and the baby. So we had to go to that hospital. Like I said, all of those specialists that were waiting for us there. Earlier in the day, day, we had gone to her 38-week checkup. Uh, Graceland May was born two weeks early to the day. So earlier in the day, we went to her two-week checkup, and her doctor checked uh, checked Fallon out and said, you know, she's three centimeters, but she should be okay. You know, go home, relax, take a bath, have fun. You know, it's maybe three days, maybe seven days. You guys have time.
2: So you know what I did? I said, honey, can you take me to the nail salon? I'm going to go get a pedicure. <laughs> <laughs> I was having contractions, but they weren't like anything...
3: They were I'm, mild. They are mild. I mean, mean this, I've this, had
2: two babies before, so I kind of knew what was going on. Um, I knew they weren't Brex and Hicks. I knew they were, you know, it could be any day now kind right. of thing. But I, when I got to the nail salon, I was like, okay, no massaging. Just change the paint color because I don't <laughs> want, you know, to bring on my labor. I was, you know... Really not wanting her to come two weeks early,
0: but. You said, I'm on a schedule here. I only, listen, I want to look good when Grace LeMay arrives, but I, you know, you can't. I, want, uh,
2: I wanted my pink toes because I'm having a girl. <laughs> so I want pink paint nails.
0: And
3: the pink only toe. reason we ended up at the Chick-fil-A oh, yeah. was one of our good friends who was going to watch our older girls for us when we, when we actually went to the hospital, lives in the community right behind that, that shopping center. So we had called her and said, hey, we don't have time to meet you at your house, just meet us in the parking lot at Chick-fil-A. There's no signal light there, just jump right off the highway, drop the kids off in the parking lot and away we go. That was the plan. So when we pulled into that Chick-fil-A a little bit after 20 minutes after 10, obviously they were closed, we knew they were closed. Yeah. Um, it must've looked like something completely sketchy because we come screeching in there I mean, right in front of the Chick-fil-A hilarious. and then here comes our friend screeching right up next to us. We jump out of the car, I'm putting kids in her car. If I was in the Chick-fil-A looking outside, I probably would have called my nine one one then and said we're about to get robbed because right. there's some sketchy stuff yeah. going on out front.
2: It was so sketch. He's like banging on the door. They hadn't seen me yet, so they're like, "Who's this guy?" I can only <laughs> imagine what was on.
0: Their, yeah, yeah. Looks I'm off. about to. I'm about to have a baby. My wife's going to give birth. We've heard that one before, buddy. All right, don't you try that one on us. <laughs> so
2: I, I really. I was in denial. I really didn't think I was going to be giving birth. I'll, I thought I had to go to the bathroom. I was like, I think we have time to stop since. Chick fil A is the only lighted place up in this parking lot. I'm like, let's see if they'll let me in. I have to go use the restroom. that That's the truth. I swear to you. I said, I really have to go. Please let it. me in.
0: So then you go in. I, I assume, uh, Mr. Griffin, that you did not join your wife in the bathroom. So you, you go into the bathroom. And then at what point do you know that you're about to have a daughter?
2: Oh, sorry. Um, so.
3: so um, oh, sorry. I. I, once they opened the door for her, which the Chick Fil A employees here, check this out. The only reason why they were even there is the the employees at Chick Fil A they were just waiting for their parents to come pick them up. Mm-hmm. That's it.
2: So yeah, I don't so, know for a fact, but <laughs> after hearing all this, I was thinking maybe they're underage or maybe they're not licensed or
3: right. they're
0: just uh, teenage kids. They, they definitely kids. were it's young because job. the
2: looks on their faces were like.
0: That is the best birth control ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. we are abstaining from sex, probably after marriage too. Just it's over. So, yeah. so you're you're in the the bathroom. You're you're giving birth, and what I want to know is, uh, Mr. Griffin, you uh, th- this is not an easy birth. I guess you've had a, a little bit of practice with this before. You've got a couple kids. Uh, were you terrified? I mean, I would just be so. Uh, in any, in the best of circumstances, I would be sweating bullets, sweating blood, probably in these circumstances, how did you keep it together? You know, that's a good okay. question.
2: Well, I don't know how I kept it together. I just kept thinking, I thought I had to go to the bathroom. Apparently something else is coming. I was like, Oh, this is happening. And so I, of course, I'm screaming, you know, I'm in excruciating pain. And that's how I and found out. I'm straddling the toilet. I mean, I can't physically sit down. My legs are giving out on me. I'm shaking uncontrollably. Yeah. And I realize, oh my gosh, this is happening. There's a head coming out of me. And I, I know it's like a TMI, but it was like, it was happening. I scream and Brenda, the um, the lady working that night, um, she's the drive-thru director. Uh her name's Brenda Enriquez to be um, exact. She, you know, was banning her crew. You know, they're like, like we said, they they were closed, and so they were just finishing up the job. And she heard me screaming, so she's screaming for him. He doesn't even know his name. She's like, "Hey, your wife's screaming in the they're
3: bathroom.
2: <laughs> yeah, go help her.
3: Yeah, I had just put the kiss the kids goodnight and tried to calm them down a little bit because they yeah, were a little concerned. I just said, you know, traumatized. you know, kiss them goodnight. Your guys are going to be fine, and then. As I was walking back to the Chick fil A, I heard Brenda scream, Your wife's in the bathroom and she's screaming. So I run in there and she had locked the door because <laughs> that's what you do. That's when you what use you do. The restroom. You oh, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we got the door unlocked and I, when I, I opened it up and she's in the first stall, which is the tiniest of them all. It's made for one, definitely not made for two okay. and a baby.
2: To clear, so, to set the record straight, I did not choose the handicapped stall because I did not have time. Something was going to give. I didn't know what it was. I just thought it's very,
0: very polite of you. You think, well, I'm not handicapped. I don't really need it. What if somebody else needs it? I'll I'll use the small one. It's exactly right. It's exactly good intuition there.
2: I don't know. (laughs) I just really had to
3: go. So all I could do was wedge between the toilet and the back wall of the stall and get into that back little corner there and, um, you know, kind of assess what was going on. And I could just see the head crowning. And my wife was standing and I told her, honey, we're going to do something great, but we're going to do it right here. And we're going to do it right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So she put one hand on the sidewall and, uh, first the, ke- well, her head before, came out
2: before that I was holding her in. Cause my biggest fear was dropping her in the toilet. Right. right. And uh, I, yeah. I had my, my water had broken the moment he literally like opened the door jammed in. yeah, And so it, there was just no time for error. He, like he said, he came in. He wedged himself back there, and he was.
3: Yeah, I, it was. It was. I
2: was the quarterback, and he was the Yeah, he
3: yeah was the, I was like. I told her. I said, you know, hike. you were the CEO. You're the manufacturer. You're the you. Or you did. The the, you were the whole. I, mean, I just ran your shipping and receiving. That's all I did.
0: Well, it, I just ran. It, it is really amazing to consider the the mental states of both of you at this point, because Mr. Griffin, on the one hand, you're there. You're thinking, I look. I'm I'm the one who's not physically incapacitated. I've got to kind of manage this, control this, you know, make sure that the umbilical cord isn't going to remain wrapped around her neck, whatever. But then Mrs. Griffin, you are in the worst, basically the worst of circumstances to be doing this and, and no drugs whatsoever. No, no pain medication at all. You are just going for it.
3: That's correct. Not even a bed.
0: I mean, mean, so, so she delivered standing up. Oh my God. Do, do you get a medal yeah. of honor for that or something? That is, un- you know, <laughs> we've all had to suffer through the World Cup over the past few weeks, the least athletic pseudo sport in history. Meanwhile, you're doing the most athletic feat ever to be done. You know, you're up there like tap dancing while giving birth. Really unbelievable. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh. So, yes.
0: so you do this and the and the baby's fine. There's no worry of, uh, you know, the, the umbilical well. cord or anything like that. How did you manage that?
3: So what happened was um, as soon as I saw that the head was crowning, that's when I yelled to whoever could hear, because there were no Chick-fil-A employees in the bathroom and I wasn't looking for them. I just shouted, somebody call 911 and bring me towels or clean, something clean, whatever you've got. And um, uh, like I said, the, the head stopped her at the shoulders because I could tell that the cord was wrapped around her neck twice and the baby's face was blue. So unwrapped the cord twice and then told Fallon, Hey, we've got, I need two really good pushes. We've got to get her out of here right now. So she pushed hard and she came out. And um, I couldn't you know, I, see that,
2: anything, by the way. No, so she not So I'm couldn't. staring at the stall bathroom door. He's behind me. So I, I didn't want to alarm
3: her yeah, that the cord was wrapped anything. around the neck. Because one of the big concerns with this pregnancy and this delivery was because of the epilepsy, lowering I was told, her threshold. Yeah of having a seizure was a real danger. Of course. So I didn't yeah. want to put an extra stress on her saying, Hey, the cords wrapped around. Her. I just told her, Hey, relax for a minute. There's something I got to do. And, uh, got I that done like and just told her to push to... and, uh, wrapped her up in my Trump shirt, which was highly appropriate. <laughs> and, uh, and, that's uh, all I had, that, no all I had. At, at that time when she, she, when she did come out, I had two paper towels and my Trump shirt. And that's how I dried off Gracie. <laughs> Is with that, and then the Chick Fil A rep- representative uh, Brenda came back in with 911 on the phone, and she was going to hand me the phone. I'm like, you, you, you've got to put them on speaker. Yeah, I need to relay yeah, a messages. You hold the to phone, me. please. <laughs> yeah. So she did, and um, so I was asking questions um, about, you know, her being blue. I knew it was one of two things: either oxygen levels were low, or she was cold. And all I had was wet things. But really quickly after that. Chick-fil-A started bringing in some of the towels that they had. And let me tell you something. If you don't think that there was divine intervention in this whole thing, I'll just give you one little snippet. Those towels that they brought in, I was asking for warm towels. And they brought them to me, and they were brand-new white towels about the size of a kitchen towel, terry cloth, that were warm. And I I thought, wow, that's awesome. They were microwaving them, putting them in whatever they were doing. How resourceful was it? It turns out that Brenda knew that in their one of their storage rooms was brand new towels and just happened that that day the air conditioning went out in that room only so she went in there and there were nice warm towels because it was 104 degrees that day in San Antonio they didn't microwave them they didn't cook them or anything we They were know. there were nice warm towels sitting there wrapped in plastic she just opened them up and brought them to us
0: you know All that sterile. Is- I, you know? I, am a big believer in Providence. I, you can see these sort of things all the time and it is amazing. I always think that God sometimes, you know, he'll whisper in your ear, will say, Hey, Michael, Hey, you know, and then of course we don't ever notice. So he says, Hey dummy, come on, look, I'm right here. And you know, <laughs> so you have the, the Chick-fil-A, this, this American institution, you've got the Trump shirt, you know, self-reliance know. delivering it yourself. And then this. Well, the, and
2: I'm praying that everything behind me is going well because I sure as heck don't know how to deliver a baby by myself. I'm like, oh, dude, I hope this guy knows what he's doing. Wow. <laughs> but he, <laughs> but yeah. no, no, I literally, you know, in all seriousness, I was praying. And I just said, please, like, please, Lord, give my husband wisdom and um, patience and strength. And I was just praying for everything. And just, of course, praying for this baby to and good cry. hands to catch her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I wanted her to cry because I didn't hear her cry right away. So I knew something was up when she wasn't crying. Um, oh
0: you did so that that was the kind of hint you couldn't couldn't hide it forever something "Uh, might be wrong wow but I
2: was trying to stay calm and because again the seizure was definitely a concern of mine and um we needed just to be a good team and so I just knew I just needed to hang in there and it was it was a rough it was a rough few minutes but um actually about 10 minutes before the EMTs came.
3: Yeah, right? the, the EMS. EMS didn't show up for EMS. about seven to ten minutes after. Unbelievable!
0: So stood I, I, you know, I tell I, I, stood I
2: the whole <laughs> time I could not sit down because then both cord, the yeah. placenta, is still attached to me, and the so if I had moved one inch in any direction, it would pull it from her belly, from her oh belly button.
0: My God! So
2: it was a bit and he's so tall. She, she so couldn't. He's she couldn't. Trying sit. to hunch over, and I'm hunched over, and my body is my nerves are shot, mm-hmm. and. I, I have last, to tell I'm you, my
0: my nerves third. are shot just listening to the story. I I'm on the edge of my seat, even though I know it has a happy ending. I I picture I haven't had my first child yet. And I've always pictured sort of like a uh, pacing around the waiting room in like a blazer chain smoking, reading the newspaper. And, uh, this is exactly the opposite of that. But it, you know, the, your daughter's name is Gracelyn May, uh, a- aptly named, clearly grace abounds here. This is, this is just an incredible story. I mean, this is America in a nutshell, and I'm so pleased for all of you. I have to let you go, but I'm so pleased that, uh, everything worked out as miraculously as it did. And and you now have a lifetime supply of Chick-fil-A and a job for your daughter when she turns 16. It hey. just keeps getting better, right? I know. Hey. <laughs> I, I don't know what the best part of that story is. I, it's so wonderful. I've got to let you go. Uh, but Plus, it,
2: she's the cutest little nugget.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it, it, it is milk. amazing. She's
2: in a milk coma. I,
0: I do always, uh, I, I sometimes joke with my wife. We We say, you know, gosh, I really, really hope that our baby is cute. I really hope our first baby is cute. And you, you clearly lucked out even on that front, even on that front, grace abounds. Unbelievable story. Thank you so much for coming on the Griffins. Uh, I can't, I can't wait to, uh, I'll check back in in 16 years. Uh, when, when your daughter gets her job at Chick-fil-A.
3: All right. Thank Take you. Care very God, much. Bless. God
0: bless. All right. You. God bless. See you guys. All right. This is America. That is very America. If only the bald eagle came down and clipped the umbilical cord with its talons. Uh, So I've got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. We've got a lot more to get to. I do want to talk about this election a little bit. I want to talk about the celebrities who are going to be jumping in and uh, (laughs) probably destroying Democrats' chances again, just like they did in 2016. And also the new Republican challenger who is now suggesting he will primary Donald Trump in 2020. We'll see how that goes. If you're on Facebook and YouTube, go to dailywire.com. It is $10 a month, $100 for an annual membership. You help keep the lights on. If you're already there, thank you very much. Uh, Look, none of it matters, the conversation, the mailbag. Get your mailbag questions in, right? I mean, whatever. This is what matters. This is what matters. I'm going to D.C. in about 20 minutes. I'm going down uh, to give a speech at uh, YAF, Young America's Foundation, and I'm going to be talking about the great benefits of owning the libs a robust defense of owning the libs and you're going to need this tumbler because otherwise the whole district of columbia is going to flood and you're going to drown don't drown make sure you get your leftist tears tumbler and make sure you get extra plastic on it just all over the place maybe if you have a, if you have an old leftist tears tumbler just toss it in the pacific ocean get a new one sign up again go to dailywire.com we'll be right back Okay, the election's back on. All the celebrities are coming out in force to stump for Democrats, just like they did in 2016. Womp womp. Here is a new public service announcement from the voice of the American people, Vox Populi, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin.
1: Hi, I'm Jane Fonda. I'm Lily Tomlin. I'm Rashida Jones. Do you care about gun control, women's health, income inequality, the environment, health care? Did I not call my dentist back? Oh, I'm already six months late on my annual cleaning. Rashida. Oh, no. Is that a toothache? Rashida, come on. This is important.
0: Uh, You're right. I I know our democracy's at stake. I'm sorry. I do have a great dentist, by the way. I'll give you her number when we're done. Are you hearing my thoughts? Not important. Just get back to your lines, please. Uh, voter turnout during midterms is historically terrible, with nearly half the voters compared to years with presidential elections.
1: And that's just not going to work this November. Wow, I can't believe we're so fighting else. to protect basic human rights. And the planet? I'm exhausted. You're exhausted? I've been fighting for six decades. Oh, we got to get people to volunteer to make sure other people vote. Then can we go lie down somewhere, maybe with a beach? Yes. <laughs> That'd be good.
0: Lily Tomlin's trying to save the planet. Is she, is she just using like five plastic straws at a time while driving her Hummer around? I didn't, this has this taken a turn that I didn't expect. Is this a Hummer ad? That's great. <laughs> uh, so absurd. I mean, really, really ridiculous. Uh, I hope they keep doing this. Uh, I counted up on the Wikipedia page last night of the Hillary Clinton 2016 presidential race. I believe the number is 1,868 celebrities, athletes, actors... Directors, uh, musicians, endorsed Hillary Clinton in 2016. Nobody cares. Nobody cares for a few reasons. One, uh, because we have other things on our mind, and two, there's there's not a celebrity disparity anymore. We have one of the biggest Hollywood celebrities not only stumping for us, but he's actually our president. We have him in the White House, and it totally uh, nixes that. Also, Hollywood looks awful with all this Me Too stuff. You know, these people look uh, really morally decrepit. And they haven't turned out good product in a long time, other than Mission Impossible 3. When Tom Cruise tells me to vote for somebody, I'll probably vote for that person. But all of these other people, I don't... Why would I listen to Jane Fonda? Jane Fonda's a traitor to her country who posed on anti-aircraft for the Vietnamese. Hanoi Jane. Who cares what they have to say? That is not a big issue. In other celebrity... 2020 news. LeBron James is suggesting that he's going to run for office now. You know we're just in the throes of silly season when all of this happens. The dog days of summer. Uh, the the one story worth mentioning though, because I suppose it could be real. It's also ridiculous. Is being reported by the Daily Caller, which is that Bill Kristol, the uh, former editor, now editor at large of the Weekly Standard, Bill Kristol. Uh, considered neoconservative, Straussian, magazine editor, very anti-Trump, uh, is considering primarying Donald Trump in 2020. I like Bill Kristol very much. I should get this out of the way. I Bill Kristol was a professor of mine during a summer fellowship that I had. He's been very nice. I, I listened to his podcast, Conversations with Bill Kristol. I actually like the guy, even though he's really going off the rails with this never-Trump and anti-Trump stuff. But Uh, He should not run for president in 2020. It will not help him. It will not help the Republican Party. It will not help the conservative movement. It will just look really, really foolish and frivolous. Uh, He he said this. He said this to the New York Times in 2017. Bill Kristol said, we need to take one shot at liberating the Republican Party from Trump and conservatism from Trumpism. And here's my question for Mr. Kristol. Why? Why Why do we have to do that? We're, we've gotten historic tax reform, excellent judges, federal judges and Supreme Court justices, uh, peace abroad, re- really strong foreign policy, good foreign policy, a booming economy. We've gotten record low joblessness. Uh, we've got we've uh, the issues that Democrats usually harp on, racial division. We've kind of wiped those out because not only are we winning in the popular culture, uh, but we're also winning. Uh, historically low black unemployment. Uh, Hate crimes are down. I think all crime is hate crime, but hate crime, as we define it, is down. Everything is going so well. That doesn't even scratch the surface. Why? Why do we need to liberate the Republican Party from Trump? Is it because the years of George W. Bush were so much better for conservative governance? I'm not attacking President Bush, but is that really the height of conservatism? I don't think so. Was Medicare Part D the height of conservatism? No Child Left Behind was that the height of conservatism? Harriet Myers, even John Roberts, was that great conservative governance? I, I don't know about that. Uh, George Bush Senior, is that is the raising taxes? Is that the height? I don't. What, why on earth would we liberate the Republican Party from Trump and conservatism from Trumpism? I understand the skepticism of President Trump in 2016, but he's done a very good job. You know, we laugh about LeBron James running for office or Oprah or whatever, and they say, well, it's hypocritical, Michael. We're in the age of the celebrity. Donald Trump isn't qualified to be president, and I agree with that in 2016, but now he is. He he clearly was qualified to be president. He's been a very good president. We, you can't say, well, now we're just electing celebrities who are unqualified. No, 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 that could have been the case had Trump been a bad president, but he's been good. So I I don't understand that. I think it's really navel-gazing. It's really ideological, really frivolous, really silly. According to the Daily Caller, Mr. Crystal is in Boston now. He's meeting with New Hampshire political strategists. He went to a New Hampshire political event. Uh, it's really not a good idea. Uh, I, I really do like what Mr. Crystal offers to the conservative movement. I recommend listening to some of his podcasts, even though they need to fix the audio on it. The audio is not great. But the show is really quite interesting. But th- this is absurd. What what are we fighting for? We Are we fighting one another over how best to hold our teacup or wh- how to uh, comport ourselves at cocktail parties in Georgetown? Is that what we're doing? Or are we fighting for liberty? Because if it's if it's the former, then fine. Attack Trump all you want. If it's the latter get your priorities straight. What are you doing? What are you people doing? Cuz there are there are real issues that are being fought. Rich Lowry from National Review has an excellent column out about how the United States is now debating socialism. We are seriously considering socialism. You can say crazy-eyed Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's not a serious candidate. She's not taken over the party. You know there are, there are 42 candidates running with the Democratic Socialists endorsement in in 2018. This is growing. Uh, Bernie Sanders has really opened this up. He's brought this Medicare for All, socialist medicine canard. He's made it mainstream. And socialism is slavery. Healthcare is the place that they try to do it most. Uh, President Reagan, before he was president, when he was still just a terrific B-movie actor in Hollywood, he had a great album about the evils of socialist medicine. We need to be fighting that. We don't need to be fighting over how to hold our Chablis glasses. We need to fight this real battle because it's it's coming and it's evil and it could really destroy the country. Here, for those of you who haven't heard it, is Ronald Reagan talking about the evils
1: of socialist medicine. My name is Ronald Reagan. I have been asked to talk on... uh several subjects that have to do with the problems of the day. Now, back in 1927, an American socialist, Norman Thomas, six times candidate for president on the Socialist Party ticket, said the American people would never vote for socialism. But he said under the name of liberalism, the American people will adopt every fragment of the socialist program. There are many ways in which our government has invaded the precincts of private citizens, the uh, method of earning a living, One of the traditional methods of imposing statism or socialism on a people has been by way of medicine. It's very easy to disguise a medical program as a humanitarian project. Most people are a little reluctant to oppose anything that suggests medical care for people who possibly can't afford it. Now, in our country, under our free enterprise system, we have seen medicine reach the greatest heights that it has in any country in the world. Today, the relationship between patient and doctor in this country is something to be envied any place. The privacy, the care that is given to a person, the right to choose a doctor, the right to go from one doctor to the other,
0: The right to choose, the the quality of the care, the the prosperity that it engenders and that it symbolizes. You should listen to the whole thing. The whole album is 10 or 11 minutes. You can find it all over YouTube. Go listen to it. It's very important. Socialism is slavery. The way they try to institute it, they get it in by the back door on health care because they think people won't act rationally on health care. They'll just, uh, they, they won't be willing to point out the advantages of freedom in healthcare because it's so immediate, it's so emotional. Don't let them do it. The, the government that's big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take away everything you've got. Healthcare is the key here. If you, if you have looked at no other news story in the last couple of years, look at little baby Alfie Evans or little baby Charlie Gard in the UK. Uh, babies who uh, their parents wanted them to get treatment elsewhere Uh, But the socialist government in the UK, I'm not talking about Venezuela, I'm talking about the developed world, the United Kingdom, would not let those babies seek treatment in in the United States or in Rome or anywhere else. They said, this baby is going to stay here, we own this baby, the baby is going to die, deal with it. The government that is big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to own you, big enough to take away everything you've got. You've got to fight it tooth and nail. Medicare for all is slavery And get your priorities in order, people. Don't get angry because President Trump doesn't spell all of his tweets correctly or he uses random capitalization. There's a really evil, evil ideology that is rearing its ugly, crazy-eyed, batty head, and we've got to fight it very seriously. I'm going to D.C. I'm getting out of here. I will not see you tomorrow, but I'll be back Thursday and Friday. Get your mailbag questions in. We're doing it Thursday. If you're in D.C. or if you're at the YAF conference, I'll see you there. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you soon. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villarreal, executive producer Jeremy Bory, senior producer Jonathan Hay, our supervising producer Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing, 2018.